This is the Meiji at 150 student podcast. My name is RK, and today we'll be talking about sushi. Hey there, RK. Hey, how's it going? So we're talking about sushi. Yep. Why'd you choose sushi? Uh, I mean, growing up in an Asian household, you know, I've always been familiar with the Asian cooking, you know, Japanese, Chinese, like you name it. And hands down, sushi has always been my favorite growing up. And living here in Vancouver, we get all sorts of kinds of sushi. Definitely. Including sushi that has mango and avocado. Which oh, is yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what were, you, what were your impressions of sushi? What did you know about sushi before you started doing your research? Honestly, not a lot. The only thing is that, I mean, it's delicious. It's, it's great. <laughs> it's delicious? It's, it's delicious. delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so then what did you discover in doing your research about sushi? First of all, I guess the history of sushi. Mm-hmm. So around the 8th century was when Nare Sushi, the predecessor to sushi, kind of first entered Japan. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is it's a way of fermenting fish so that it prevents the fish from going bad. And Nare Sushi was a dish that originated in Southeast Asia, came to Japan, and... Since then on, it's just kind of evolved and developed along with Japanese history. Hmm. Okay, I, I imagine that's not a type of sushi that we see too commonly anymore. Probably not, no. Yeah. So the sushi that we think of now is generally nigiri sushi right. and maki sushi. So right. when is it that these types of sushi preparations start to emerge in Japan? It was during the Edo period that we got the form factor of sushi that we now associate with a nigiri mm-hmm. sushi. And yeah, so that was about 1600 to 1800 AD. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned that there's some regional differences. So, right. so the nigiri sushi that we think of as Edo Mai or Edo, Edo style, mm-hmm. this is a very, di- if you were to go to Western Japan, Kansai is a very different kind of sushi, right? Mm-hmm. So what did you learn about that? I didn't know the difference between the Eastern and Western, but I did find out that the coastal regions mm-hmm. and also um, near Hokkaido, along the northern region of Japan, they have a very big emphasis on the freshness of their ingredients mm-hmm. just because, you know, they're closer to the actual waters where they get the food from, where they get the seafood from. And whereas if you go further inland or even further down south to Okinawa, which has like a subtropical climate and all that, they are more known for like saucy foods and more mm-hmm. intense flavors. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had chidashi sushi? That is my favorite, yeah. That is your favorite? That right? is my favorite, right. yeah. the, So the, the preparation where you just have the rice with a bunch of different fish on yeah. top, right? So that's more of the Western style. Okay. Yeah. So what else did you discover in doing your research? The most interesting thing that I found and I continued my research on was rice. You know, I, I didn't know that rice was such a big thing about sushi. You know, apparently chefs actually go through the trouble of finding the best blend of rice. So you would get like maybe 30% of your rice from this region and, you know, another 70 from this region to create the perfect balance of flavor that you want. Mm-hmm. Even, even to the extent where some people will find the perfect water source mm. to use in their sushi. And vinegar as well. That's that's a big big thing in um, making sushi. And apparently, when you plate, for example, a nigiri sushi, the sushi or the topping has to be cool but not cold, and the rice has to be warm but not hot. Getting that delicate balance. And man, all these little facts that I learned about sushi gave me a better appreciation for the uh, for the for the cuisine. Do you have favorite types of fish within sushi? Salmon. I would salmon. have to say salmon. Uh-oh. And a bit of tuna. I mean, it, it is a little you know cliche but salmon and tuna 
I was always surprised you know, in Japan and yeah. a lot of the the higher end sushi places they won't even give you salmon. Really? Yeah, it's. I mean, at the at the at the kaiten sushi places, which the conveyor belt ones that are a little mm-hmm. bit more kind of fast foodish, right? Kind of popular style. Uh, they'll get salmon there, and you, and you'll get your. Uh, the battleship style rolls, mm-hmm. uh, but generally, uh, yeah, at the higher end sushi places, there's no there's no salmon. Uh, when you eat tuna, what's the, there's different levels of tuna, right? right. There's the maguro, then there's like the chu toro, I know dai about toro, toro old toro, yeah, yeah. And so toro is the fatty tuna, right? right. And which which is more expensive now, uh-huh. but actually during the Edo period, this was considered lower quality meat because it had more fat, oh, more okay. fat in it. So they would just throw that away. <laughs> And so people actually wanted waste. only the red meat. Yeah. And so the, what we called maguro today was yeah. one that was actually the most highly prized. Okay. And so it really shows you how even tastes uh, in food have changed over the centuries. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm actually learning a lot more <laughs> during the podcast than I had coming into the podcast. <laughs> but um, originally when I thought about sushi or even Japanese cuisine, considering it as my research topic, I had kind of wanted to talk about you know how Japanese people like to have, you know, a bottle of beer or even like a small pot of sake along with their meal for mm-hmm. their dinner after a long day. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of talk about that alongside the dining culture and the mm-hmm. drinking culture in sushi. But unfortunately, I didn't have time for that. In doing your research, did you come across any differences between sushi in Japan and sushi that uh, sushi in North America, particularly sushi that you're familiar with in Vancouver? Right. In North America, you know, they have a lot of different sauces to kind of enhance the flavor. Yeah. But back in back in Asia, definitely, you know, they're more about the actual quality of mm-hmm. the toppings and the ingredients that they use, and they want you to taste the actual, you right. know, ingredients rather than overwhelm you sure. with. Right, sure, maybe more focus, more emphasis on the fish itself. Right. And then here in North America, there's a lot of the roll sushi, mm-hmm. right? and, and so you get a little bit of fish in the inside or yeah. a fake crab or whatever. It <laughs> exactly, is, imitation crab, avocado or yeah. something. And then yeah, I've seen ones where. They'll, they'll do a roll sushi and then do it, you know, deep fry it with tempura mm-hmm. style yeah. and cover it with some kind of mayonnaise or mm-hmm. other types of uh, sauces. Have you tried pokey? Pokey I have, yes. So what's the deal with pokey? What is pokey? Pokey is, a, I guess it's kind of chirashi sushi, uh-huh. but it's, it's a bowl and you have, you know, you have all these different ingredients scattered on top just like okay. you, have what you would have with chirashi. And you have some sauces, and you mix it, and you eat it. I mean, it, it, like a, poke as a food is Hawaiian, like, yeah. like kind of uh, a, a Hawaiian ceviche. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think you're right that it, it's kind of building on the popularity of sushi and chirashi mm-hmm. sushi in particular. But because the same way with in North America, people put a lot of sauces on their right. sushi, and so you know it's it's not a it's not a big leap to go from chidashi sushi with a lot of sauce to hey this is kind of like pokey <laughs> which is kind of raw fish mixed with all sorts of different sauces anyway right. and so then you could like all around i saw them in portland i saw them in seattle saw mm-hmm. them in la pokey places pokey all over the place now down in vancouver too i mean uh, ubc as well yeah. ubc has one that's right yeah. yeah kind of popping up everywhere i think would you say it's based on or is this because of the popularity of sushi is just kind of going in a different direction now i think so i mean and as soon as you find something new um people always like to hype it up and make a trend out of it especially with stuff like instagram you know pokey looks pretty you know once you, you have it all yeah. plated it's uh, picture yeah. worthy yeah. and that kind of gets people thinking hey i want to try that too that's a good point, yeah. yeah. Whatever's picture-worthy. Mm-hmm. So you have a preference for chidashi sushi. Do you like the like the clean sushi style? 
I actually like the Korean chidashi style. I don't know if you've ever had it. I don't think I've ever had Korean chidashi. They add some kind of, a bit of a sour tasting gochujang. Uh-huh. You know uh-huh. what gochujang is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the pepper paste. But a bit of a sour tasting gochujang, and they add it with, add it into the chidashi, and they all mix, mix it all up. There's a lot more vegetables than you would find in a Japanese chidashi, hmm. but it's really good. Almost like a... Chidashi bibimbap or something? Kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of. You can think of it like that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to give that a try. You really should. <laughs> Whenever I go to the sushi restaurants that are run by Koreans, I end up ordering Korean food. Because <laughs> I figure that's... Korean. Yeah, I know they're Korean. I figure yeah. that's probably a good place to get some good Korean food. Next time you might want to, you might ask for a Chidashi sushi and ask to have a Korean style. They'll uh, know exactly what you're talking about. See, the funny thing is, I'll admit, you know, it's kind of embarrassing as a professor of Japanese history. I actually don't like sushi. Really? What, what is your favorite Japanese dish then? Oh my god, I mean, there's so many good Japanese foods, but I mean, it's not like people are eating sushi every day in Japan. <laughs> right. And on that note, what did you, did you discover anything about, like, what is the place of sushi in Japanese cuisine? Did you see anything about that? Japan has, like, a deep-rooted fondness and appreciation for nature, and they are very proud of, the, of their seas coast to coast, and they are proud of the food that they created with the ingredients that came from those seas. So sushi to them, you know, means a lot to them mm-hmm. in like a national sense, national identity. And they're kind of like how kimchi is to Korean people. It's, it, it is a part of their identity, sushi. It's certainly an essentialized Japanese food. Like really there, there's probably no more Japanese food or, or like food that is known or equated with Japan. Mm-hmm. Whenever I ask students, well, what do you know about Japan? One of the first answers is sushi. Sushi, exactly. <laughs> So when doing your research, was there anything that you came across or you thought, wow, this is really cool and you wanted to share it with your friends? Yes, that sushi, it is sort of meant to resemble like a fish flowing in the water somehow, like the way it's presented. If you go to like a restaurant where they actually do put pride uh-huh. and effort into their food, I'm not talking about like, you know, takeout sushi, but it might resemble like a fi- fish flowing or like um, ingredients all coming together and like making this harmonious picture. And that's where, you know, when you get sushi, you have that little ginger on the side and, you know, wasabi on the side and stuff like that. All the colors and mm-hmm. it's supposed to look look good as well. Here's a trick question. What yeah. color is wasabi? It's supposed to be white or yellow. Oh, right. right. Yeah. yeah, good, good. Yeah. Because <laughs> the green stuff that we get here is actually horseradish. Yeah, it's yeah. colored horseradish. Yeah, yeah. colored horseradish. Yeah, fake yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, or did you ever see that film, Jito Dreams of Sushi? This was a documentary a few years ago that got really popular. I think okay. it even won a few awards. But it was talking about like this master sushi chef in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. His store is located, or his shop is located inside of Tokyo Station. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> underground in a train station. I think station. I heard about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In this documentary, they're, they're talking about like his apprentice has been tasked with making the rice every day, and he's been doing it for five years really? or something like this. And, and that's how much, like how insanely precise... He is, in mm-hmm. particular, he is about uh, preparing the sushi. And there's even a place in, in Vancouver here. Uh, they only see, they do two seatings per night, mm-hmm. five o'clock and seven o'clock, something like this. Only 10 people are allowed in at any time. Mm-hmm. And then when you sign up, you have to agree to all of these different rules. No talking, no cell phones. Wow. Uh, they don't serve any alcohol. Okay. Only tea. Uh, they have nothing else on the menu other than sushi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so no yakitori, no tempura, no edamame. Right. Uh, and basically, they fly in their fish every day straight from Tokyo, five days a week. 
it's all omakase that whatever you know wow. whatever fish they have they just give you you can order some stuff on the side but you are there to enjoy the raw fish right and the raw fish especially and so there's no sauces there's no makizushi it's all nigiri style where with maybe a little bit of wasabi not mm. too much right not too much soy sauce <laughs> and i mean it's just it's almost uh insanely focused on the fish itself right. and, and you're just supposed to go there and eat right and so it even has these signs that say that say well you can take instagram photos but only of your own food oh really because <laughs> i guess too many people really like, tried to take you know interrupting the other guests uh, but yeah you know in, just you have to sign this over no kids below the age of 19 right makes sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> not even because they're serving alcohol or anything like that. it's just because you don't want little they kids want, running around noisy. Yeah. Or, yeah but yeah no talking you know very dim lighting you're just supposed to sit there and, and you know well bask in the glow of this great sushi if that isn't the most japanese thing i've heard today <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know what is you're supposed to be there to enjoy the chef's creation i like that i love that about the japanese culture the Meiji at 150 podcast is hosted by Tristan Gruno at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. This podcast would not be possible without the cooperation of the UBC Center for Japanese Research and the technical assistance of the UBC Faculty of Arts, ISIT. Find out more about the Meiji at 150 project, including the Meiji at 150 lecture series, digital teaching resource, and workshop series by visiting our website, meijiat150.arts.ubc.ca. Thank you for listening.